So we are, of course, getting into another one of the Psalms because this is a bonus Sunday. Now, you heard Pastor Jared just last week when he was up here preaching. Great sermon. He, he made mention, so relevant, that uh, it's been really heavy lately, right? Like we had, back at Christmas Eve, we had Painful Christmas, right? Remember that? And then we went into the Taboo series, and there were like four heavy weeks, bam, 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 right in a row. And so he joked up here last week, he said, hey, but Pastor Rick, hopefully this week, right? Here's Psalm 13, enjoy this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So no, no, not so much happier. Uh, and there it is. That's our psalm for today, because we just do them in order. And when he was saying that, I had already studied ahead on Psalm 13. I'm like, no, no, not a happy one. But what that is, that's a prayer song, okay? You know, most of those psalms, they are poetry, but they're, lyric, they're lyrics to worship songs. And about 90% of the Psalms are examples of us speaking to God. See, when you go to the Scripture, there's a lot of history. But past the history, we think of God speaking to us. But the Psalms, 90% of them are examples of us speaking to God. And Psalm 13 is that way. It is a prayer song from David. Remember King David? He's the one that wrote that. It's a prayer song from David to God. And it is short. It's just six short Verses, it's a short prayer. You know, there are two times when uh, prayer is appropriately short. The first time is when food's on the table. I'm, I'm looking at you, Shannon. But, um, okay, right. So, like, food goes on the table. It's hot, and then you, you bend over to prayer, and so your face is, like, right in it. You can smell that stuff, right? And then someone, remains nameless, goes off on prayers about the day and tomorrow and the neighbors and this person. And, that, grace, that's a short prayer. Okay, thank you, Father, for this food. We pray that Caleb won't be rude. Amen. And then it's time, then it's time to eat. That's, that's it. Short prayer time. The other time prayer is appropriately short is when somebody is hurting. Like when you're hurting, sometimes all you can do is squeak out a few words, right? Short prayers. Or like parents, your kid comes to you wailing. Do you need from your kid some long, well-articulated monologue of, no, you got enough from the crying, right? And so when we go to God in pain, I don't think we have to have long prayers. God gets it. God gets it. So this is a prayer that is from David to God. It's short, six verses. It breaks into three parts, two verses each. Acknowledge, ask, abide. And that's what we'll look look at together. So let's look at the first chunk, acknowledge. I won't read it again. You've already had it wonderfully read to you. Uh, but acknowledge. So David is having a dark night of the soul. Love that phrase. He's having a dark night of the soul. 
Or God feels distant. God feels silent. Have you ever had a spiritual dry spell? David's in one. And he says, how long? He actually repeats that question four times. How long? It's like parents when you're on a long trip and the kids are in the backseat, right? Are we there yet? We get there when we get there, right? Like, how long? Let's just do how long? Feels like God has forgotten him, uh, that he's lost the face of God. How long will this go on forever? He asks. And God seems distant. He can't hear God's counsel. He says, I take counsel in my own soul, which means I feel like I'm on my own right now, God. You're not speaking. How long? You ever feel that way? That means you're a horrible Christian. Shame on you. No, no. Remember, this is David. This is the one the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. And he felt this way. And he acknowledged it. He was open about it. That's okay. By the way, don't miss this. Uh, There is not a hint in this psalm that David sinned and is repenting. That, that doesn't seem to be what's going on here at all. Sometimes when we feel like this, we start to think, don't we, what did I do to tick God off? He's mad at me. He's withdrawn from me. That's what's going on. That's not on the table at all. Now, granted, sometimes that happens. We've sinned and, and discipline from God is a real thing. And he uses that to prompt us towards repentance. And that's what we need to do. We need to repent. But this Psalm does not talk about sin or repentance at all. He's just in a dark night of the soul. Feels dark. God feels distant, silent. God feels uninterested. And so what he says, if you look at it, he says, sorrow in my heart all the day. Now let's get real. Let me ask you, have you ever dealt with depression? You don't have to answer that. It's rhetorical. If you've ever dealt with depression, can you relate to that? Sorrow in my heart all the day. See, the Psalms are real. And they deal with the full range of human emotion and human experience. They're real. And we think, well, the Bible doesn't talk about depression. It seems to me, as I read this psalm, David's depressed. He's dealing with it. And what if, setting that aside for a second, I just want, before I move on to the next part of this psalm, I want to get one thing out of this for us. Um, What if, in 2022, you don't allow yourself to complain except that you also pray. I know you're going to complain. I know you people, okay? Um, But what if you you made a covenant that this year, if I complain, I also have to pray? That's That's what's going on with David. And when you pray and you're in pain, start there. Like, start right there. Speak your pain to God. Acknowledge, acknowledge that to God openly and honestly. That's what David did. He acknowledged Now, secondly, he asked. That's the next chunk of the psalm is the ask. If you look at the second line there, the specific ask is light up my eyes. So the darkness of depression has settled in and he needs God to light up his eyes so that he could see God, so that he could see appropriately. And he says, if not, lest lest I sleep the sleep of death. What's that about? Some scholars uh, speculate it might be that David in his depression was having suicidal ideation. That he's wondering about taking his own life. We don't often talk about that as a church. Probably not enough. And I want to do a little sidebar and talk about that for a moment. 
Because suicidal thoughts are very common. Okay? They're not, they're not great, I get that, but they're part of a normal human experience, at least in a fallen world. And so if you have those, I don't want you to have shame for that. Most people have suicidal thoughts some point in their life, usually much more frequently than that. Well, when we get really concerned is when there are suicidal plans, not just thoughts, but plans. Letters are written, a date is chosen. Uh, my daughter was online Googling the best, most painless way to do it. Uh, so plans are being made. That's when you start to get really concerned. Now, if you are suicidal, please hear my heart. I'm begging you. I want you to today reach out for help. Get the hell. Like, we love you. God loves you. Uh, this chapter's hard, but there's more chapters. Let's get you through this time. Please reach out and get help today. And what if you know somebody that you think might be suicidal? I want you to ask them today, okay? Uh, maybe that sounds awkward to you, but it's actually, you'll be surprised how smoothly it goes. If you fear somebody is suicidal, the, the question I usually use is, hey, have you had any thoughts of hurting yourself? I, I've had to do that with a lot of people, and they've never gotten mad at me. They've usually appreciated the question and been very honest with me. Have, have you had any thoughts of hurting yourself? And then what you want to do is help them get help. Help them get help. And if, if it's like, oh man, I don't think this is going to last through the night, call 911. They might be mad at you. And then tomorrow, they'll be alive and mad at you. And that's okay with me. Because I want to help them get help. I love them. So, all right. Enough of that sidebar. Notice, though, that uh, David asks, light up my eyes. Interestingly, what he doesn't ask is for the elimination of his enemies. Did you catch that? Now, we don't know if these enemies are like real dudes with swords and spears, or they might be the figurative enemies of suicidal thoughts and depression and stuff like that. But what David prays for is light up my eyes, that I could see God, that I could see as God sees, I could see my situation. And in the midst of my pain, then I'm not going to be surprised if my pain continues. But what I want to do is I want to feel God's presence in the midst of my pain because I don't right now. That's what he's saying. Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher, put it this way. He said, let the eye of my faith be clear so that I may see God in the dark. He's talking about this passage right here. Let the eye of my faith be clear so that I may see my God in the dark. See, the biggest pain that David felt at the time was not his circumstance, but that he couldn't feel the nearness of God in his circumstance. God, light up my eyes. Now, that's his prayer request. Regardless of what the specific prayer request is, one thing I don't want you to miss here, David doesn't stop praying. When he's in pain and when God feels distant, when he feels like his prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, remember how the, the psalm started? Remember? Like, he feels forgotten by God, maybe forever. God, are you even there? How long, O oh Lord? God is distant. It's dark. God is silent. I feel like I'm on my own. Still, David is praying. He doesn't stop. Even when it's dark. Even when I don't feel like God is hearing me. Never stop praying. In fact, you might need to switch up your prayer life. 
Okay? Maybe you go on a drive with God. You ever have to talk to somebody in parallel talking? Man, a drive's great. Okay? Kick them out of the car. I don't care where you are. Kick them out. Just you and God. You go driving and do parallel talking with God. Or maybe you go for a walk. I, I'll go for a hike back in the woods. I don't want to be in my neighborhood because I talk out loud to God and I look crazy. Right? Neighbors are calling 911 on me, right? Like, no, so go back in the woods and hike and just weep and wail to God. When I'm really stuck, I have to type it out. I type a letter to God. Some of you prayer journal for the same reason. You might have to switch it up. The point is never stop praying. But let me be clear about something. Uh, David might have had clinical depression at the time. If you have clinical depression, you probably, probably need counseling and maybe some meds to get you over the hump, okay? Maybe you're surprised that I said that, but what, what I want to do here is avoid the error of somehow there's some magic prayer. Like you're dealing with clinical depression. It's, oh, just pray about it. You'll be fine. Ooh. Now, if you're a disciple of Jesus... Prayer should be part of it. Talking to God, never stop praying. But you might need counseling and prayer. It's not either or, it's both and. And not only prayer speaking to God, but also the scriptures hearing from God. So when my daughter was going uh, through her dark season, uh, I, as a dad, I wrote up for her a resource of scriptures that might be helpful in dealing with anxiety and depression. And... Uh, over time, it developed into a resource on our website. I think some even some counselors use it with their clients. Let me show you where you can find it. If you go up to resources, you go down to counseling. Down in the bottom right, you see the button that says scriptures for anxiety and depression. And there's an intro that I wrote, but then just one scripture after another. There's a lot of them. If you go to the top on the left there, click that, it'll take you to a PDF. And the reason that's good is you can print that thing out because the scriptures that'll speak to you in your dark moment are going to be different than the ones that speak to somebody else. And you want to highlight or circle the ones that resonate with you to hang on to those. Okay, but again, let me be clear. If you've got clinical depression, here's some scriptures. Read these. You'll be great. Uh. Now, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you're in a dark time, you don't want the voice of God silent. You want to be reading it. You're looking for his love in his scriptures. Absolutely, that's part of it. Again, it's both and, not either or. Prayer in the scripture should be a part of that season for you. And if so, then what you might find is that you might find that the pain ebbs just enough that a tide of praise can rise in your life. And you might find yourself moving during that dark season into a posture of abiding in God. In fact, that's what happened for David. That's the last two verses right there. As you skim over those, you see he is abiding. Remember, he's already acknowledged his pain. Then he persisted in prayer, asking. He was asking God to light up his eyes. Now he's abiding in God, praising God in faith. But listen. The circumstances haven't changed at all. That didn't change. David changed. So to abide, what that means, ready for it? To abide is to walk by faith, not by sight. Now, let me ask you something. As you sit in those dark moments, like right now, can you see the sun? 
You can't see the sun, can you? Next question. Is the sun still shining? It is. Every moment of every day, the sun is shining. 24-7, 365, the sun is shining. So when it's night and the earth blocks the sun, from our view, the sun is still shining. And when it's a totally cloudy day, just thick, and you can't see the sun at all, the sun is still shining. And when there's a hurricane, such such that it turns the day into night and it's pitch black, the sun is still shining. And it might seem dark in your world right now, but God is still there. And by faith, we know he's right there. Even though we don't feel it, we know he's there. He's just quiet. He's just quiet. And you know what, guys? Maybe it's okay that God is quiet in those moments. Like when you're depressed, I already said you might need counseling, which means you might need somebody to speak into your life. Yeah, that's part of the process. But when you're depressed, sometimes what you need is you need a friend to just come sit with you, right? And if that friend gets all preachy on you and starts spitting cliches at you, like, stop. Like, well, you you know what you should do? Would you just sit with me? You ready for it? What if that's exactly what God's doing in that moment? When, When you think he's distant, when you think he's not there, what if he's not bossing you around? What if he's just sitting with you in the moment? Right there. Right there. David experienced that. And so we see him start to transition throughout this psalm, and he gets to a point where he says that he, quote-unquote, trusted in God's steadfast love. It's a move of faith that in the midst of the pain, though it's still dark out, I'm saying, I believe in God, I know he's there, I trust him. That is walking by faith. That is abiding. Now notice something. The psalm never says that God was absent. The the psalm never says that God hid his face. What it says is that David felt that way. You see, our Bible is 100% accurate. And what it says accurately is how David felt. It talks about David's experience, that God felt distant. Doesn't tell us what's true about God. You want to know what's true about God? Now we turn to Isaiah chapter 49. Verse 14 You'll see this is almost exactly like David speaking collectively for Zion. It says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. There it is. That's how David felt. But here's what's true about God. This time God answers. And he says this. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget yet I will not forget you. And so he draws this word picture for contrast. He talks about a new mom who just gave birth to a son, little baby boy, and he's nursing. Now, could you ever imagine a mom forgetting about her newborn boy while he's nursing? Not having compassion on him. Like, no way, that's never... God's saying, listen, that woman will forget about her son before I will ever forget about you. That's what's true about God. Despite how we feel, that's what's true about God. And so when you look back in Psalm 13, 
David says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Now, those words, steadfast love, it's actually one word in the Hebrew. It's hesed. What hesed talks about is uh, an unfailing, faithful, undeterred, covenantal love and goodness to you despite the fact that we don't really deserve it, like mercy and grace are kind of implied in hesed, such that our hope is not in us, that we earn God's favor. No way. Our hope is in the very character of God, that he is the God of hesed love. That's our God. And so we abide in him. We trust that he's there. We trust that he knows what he's up to even when it's dark out. Now, when you feel like God is absent, the apparent absence of God, you have four choices. And here they are. When it seems like God is absent, what some conclude is God doesn't exist. There's my evidence. There's my proof. There is no God. That's number one. Some people get past that and they go, no, I'm a theist. I believe God exists, but he's just a jerk. That's why he's silent right now. He's just, he's horrible. Most of us probably aren't there. My fear is that many of you are probably in number three. It's that, that yes, God exists, and he's not horrible, but I'm horrible. I'm repugnant to him. And that's why he's distant. David got to number four. God exists, he's not horrible, and he loves me. And so I'm going to abide in him. And that's where I want you to be. That's where I want you to be. In that moment, it's the best opportunity to walk in faith and love God. It's the best opportunity to worship Him. Listen, when things are just light and bright and yippy and skippy and life's going great, and then you come into a worship night at Redemption Chapel, worship's easy. <laughs> but when life is dark and God seems distant, it is perhaps the purest opportunity to worship him, to walk and display our faith. It's pure worship of God in that dark tunnel. And so what David is doing is he's making an intentional choice to interpret his circumstances in light of the love of God instead of interpreting the love of God in light of his circumstances. And that's what got him to number four. That's huge. I want to say that again. He made an intentional choice to interpret his circumstances in light of the love of God instead of interpreting the love of God in light of his circumstances. And I think you can do that too. And so what David says is he's dealt bountifully with me. He's dealt bountifully with me. Wait, wait what? get there. Remember how the psalm started? Remember the first two verses? Like depression and suicidal ideation. There's a dry spell and God feels distant. God's dealing bountifully with it. Come again. How's that? And he answers it right there. He says, I shall rejoice in your salvation. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. You see, though it's crappy right now, David knows salvation is coming. And there's a light at the end of that dark, dark tunnel. I can see it down there. Jesus is coming for me. Now, for now, I'm in a dark place, a dark tunnel, and, and it feels really, really crappy. 
It's a fallen world and it's broken. And I'll tell you what, we got to be honest about something. In this darkness, I'm not only a victim, I'm a perp. I've been hurt by people. But you know what? I've hurt people. And all of us are like that. All of us are sinners. We are all found in rebellion against God. And I've been caught and found out by God. I am a condemned rebel, rebel and I deserve way worse than this dark tunnel. You know what I deserve? I deserve hell. That's what I deserve. But God. But God in his grace brought me salvation. Claimed me as his own and promised me light at the end of the tunnel that he will come for me and take me home someday. But God. And so I can put up with a lot of crap if I know there's an expiration date. Right? Okay. How about this pandemic, right? The, the goalpost keeps moving, right? 14 days to flatten the curve, right? And <laughs> listen, it, we hate it. We want it over. Would you just tell me? If I could tell you emphatically, and we know it's 100% gospel truth, it is solid, one month from today, it'll all be over and we'll go back to normal. You'd love that, right? And therefore, you, you'd say, I don't care what the next month brings. I'm good. I can put up with it because you have an expiration date. And one of the hardest things about this pandemic is that it just seems like it's going to go on and on and on. All right, here's some good news. This crappy world has an expiration date. The dark tunnel that you're in has light at the end of it. David said, I will focus on my salvation, that he is coming for me. That's where we need to focus. Now, in the meantime, I abide in him. I'm going to keep praying to him. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing. Sometimes my songs will be songs of lament. Sometimes they will be songs of praise. But they're going to be honest songs sharing my heart with God. And it's important because there's great balance in the Psalms. See, in the Psalms, there is neither suppressed emotion No, that emotion must be expressed exactly as it is. So it's real and it's raw and it's honest. But at the same time, there's not unbridled emotion. It is fettered to the truth, to the scriptures, to abiding in God, and we let God speak into it. And maybe we should let that, that is true of the Psalms, be reflected in our lives. Because my fear is that as Christians, we're really bad at that balance. We tend either to run towards emotionalism, We're real and raw and honest and we have no desire to hear the truth. Thank you very much. Or we swing the pendulum right through the middle to the other extreme. And these are the people, well, God says in his word, so you shouldn't feel that way. Thanks, that helps so much. Right? And what if there's balance? There's neither unexpressed emotion, but it's not unbridled emotion. It is real and raw, but it's fettered to the truth of God. And when you have that balance, that is powerful and that is transformative. And through this psalm, did you notice the circumstances David was in did not change. The way he started verse 1 is the way his circumstances were in verse 6. But David changed. His circumstances didn't change, but David changed. And that's what happens in prayer. Prayer doesn't always change God. Prayer always can change us. But it's got to be 
honest, raw prayer, fettered to the truth, abiding in God, and now we're different by verse 6. That's what we want. And in fact, let me pray for that right now. Father, I, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters here. I know that it is dark at times. Sometimes it's just this world is dark, period, all the time. It's a grind. And then I know some of my brothers and sisters are in a particularly dark place. Father God, I, I, I pray that we would learn to be real and raw with you and with each other. I would pray, I pray that you would light up our eyes so that we may be able to see you even in the dark. That we would know you are right there with us. That you would never abandon us. A mother might abandon her nursing child before you would ever abandon us. And you're just sitting with us in the pain and silence. And we would learn in that time then to abide in you, to know you, to even praise you in pure, pure worship never stop going to you. Father God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who might be dealing with deep, dark depression or suicidal ideation that you would bring in their help. It won't be some magic prayer, magic verse, but but they would get the help they need to be heard, to be understood, to start to learn and grow and cope over time. Bring healing there, please. Father, we need you. We want you. We run to you right now. We ask you to run to us. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.